You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. The 10th day of Ramadan, 11th day of Ramadan, uh, which is Tuesday, 5th of May. Uh, iftar today is going to be at 9.11. So Tuesday, 5th of May, uh, time just now is 7.32. We'll take you all the way to uh, our Iftar, which is at 11 past 9 today. And as always, uh, I also have with me my guest, Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. <coughs> so Sheikh, uh, we started Surah Kahf, uh, the story, um, the stories uh, in this uh, 18th Surah of Quran. Uh, we've covered the first part. Uh, I'm very when I say we've covered the first part of the Surah because uh, we, we will keep coming back to it as well because mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a continuous theme that we have. And then there are scenes within this first section which are general Uh, uh, guidance for living as Muslims, being true to our faith, mm-hmm. and then relating it to Prophet Sallam's life as well. It keeps dipping in and out of the life of the Prophet Sallam and the life of Sahaba at the time, mm-hmm. and how it was revealed. Um, today, Inshallah, we are going to take uh, our listeners uh, and the viewers uh, to uh, a s- next section of uh, the surah. Surah Kahf, uh, ayahs number 45 onwards, where there is some general guidance, general principles of living, and the Quranic principles of living uh, true to our faith. And then, inshallah, moving on to the next part of Surah Kahf as well. So, recitation, and we will be taking comments from Sheikh Ruzwan after this recitation. In the name of Allah, the absolutely merciful, the especially merciful. واضرب لهم مثل الحياة الدنيا كما إن أنزلناه من السماء فاختلط به نبات الأرض فأصبح هشيما فاختلط به نبات الأرض فأصبح هشيما تذروه الرياح وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ مُقْتَدِرًا And present to them the example of the life of this world. It is like the rainwater which we send down from the sky, and the vegetation of the earth mingles with it and becomes fresh and green. But it becomes dry and broken pieces which the winds scatter, and Allah is able to do everything. المال والبنون زينة الحياة الدنيا والباقيات الصالحات خير عند ربك ثوابا وخير أملا Wealth and children are the adornment of the life of this world. But the good righteous deeds that last are better with your Lord for rewards and better in respect of hope. وَيَوْمَ نُسَيِّرُ الْجِبَالَ وَتَرَى الْأَرْضَ بَارِزَةً وَحَشَرْنَاهُمْ فَلَمْ نُغَادِرْ مِنْهُمْ أَحَدًا And the day we shall cause the mountains to pass away, and you will see the earth as a leveled plain, and 
we shall gather them all together so as to leave not one of them behind. And they will be set before your Lord in rows. And Allah will say, Now indeed, you have come to us as we created you the first time. Nay, but you thought that we had appointed no meeting for you. وَوَجَدُوا مَا عَمِلُوا حَاضِرًا وَلَا يَظْلِمُ رَبُّكَ أَحَدًا And the book will be placed, and you will see the criminals fearful of that which is recorded therein. They will say, Woe to us! What sort of book is this that leaves neither a small thing nor a big thing, but has recorded it with numbers? And they will find all that they did placed before them. And your Lord treats no one with injustice. وَإِذْ قُلْنَا لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ اسْجُدُوا لِآدَمَ فَسَجَدُوا إِلَّا إِبْلِيسَ كَانَ مِنَ الْجِنِّ فَفَسَقَ عَنْ أَمْرِ رَبِّهِ أَفَتَتَّخِذُونَهُ وَذُرِّيَّتَهُ أَوْلِيَاءَ مِنْ دُونِي وَهُمْ لَكُمْ عَدُوٌ بِئْسَ لِلظَّالِمِينَ بَدَلًا And when we said to the angels, Prostrate to Adam. So they prostrated, but not Iblis. He was one of the jinns. He disobeyed the command of his Lord. Will you then take him and his offspring as protectors and helpers rather than me, while they are enemies to you? How evil is the exchange for the wrongdoers? Uh, so we listened to five uh, verses from Surah Kahf today, from 45 to 50. And inshallah we'll be covering some of it. Uh, in a bit of detail today, inshallah, we have uh, time from now till iftar. Lo dekhlo, aagayena tum hamare paas usi tarha jaisa ke humne tumko pehli baar peda kiya tha. Aur ay nabi inhe hayat dunia ki hakikat is misal se samjhao ke aaj humne aasman se pani barsa diya to zameen ki pod khub ghani ho gayi. Aur kal wahi nabatat bhus ban kar reh gaye jise hawaen udaye liye phirti hain. اللہ ہر چیز پہ قدرت رکھتا ہے یہ مال اور یہ اولاد محض دنیوی زندگی کی ایک ہنگامی آرائش ہے اصل میں تو باقی رہ جانے والی نیکیاں ہیں تیرے رب کے نزدیک نتیجے کے لحاظ سے بہتر اور انہی سے اچھی امیدیں وابستہ کی جا سکتی ہیں فکر اس دن کی ہونی چاہیے کہ جب ہم پہاڑوں کو چلائیں گے اور تم زمین کے زمین کو بالکل برہنہ پاؤ گے اور ہم تمام انسانوں کو اس طرح گھیر کر جمع کریں گے کہ اگلے پچھلوں میں سے ایک بھی نہ چھوٹے گا اور سب کے سب تمہارے رب کے حضور صف در صف پیش کیے جائیں گے لو دیکھ لو 
آ گئے نا تم ہمارے پاس اسی طرح جیسا کہ ہم نے تم کو پہلی بار پیدا کیا تم نے تو یہ سمجھا تھا کہ ہم نے تمہارے لیے کوئی وعدے کا وقت مقرر ہی نہیں کیا اور نامہ اعمال سامنے رکھ دیا جائے گا اس وقت تم دیکھو گے کہ مجرم لوگ اپنی کتاب زندگی کے اندراجات سے ڈر رہے ہوں گے اور کہہ رہے ہوں گے کہ ہائے ہماری کم بختی یہ کیسی کتاب ہے کہ ہماری کوئی چھوٹی بڑی حرکت ایسی نہیں جو اس میں درج نہ ہو گئی ہو جو جو کچھ انہوں نے کیا تھا وہ سب اپنے ساتھ حاضر پائیں گے اور تیرا رب کسی پہ ظلم نہیں کرتا صدق اللہ عظیم سو شیخ دا کنٹینیویشن فرام یس ڈے ان ٹو دیز آئی ایز ڈے ویری جنرل آن دا فیس آف اٹ نو ریلیشن ٹو دا اسٹوری دیٹ وی سٹ So these um, verses that we've <coughs> looked at all the way to the <coughs> major story of the Prophet Musa والسلام, which is verse 60. So it's basically 15 verses. Interspace between the story of the, 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 the two people in the gardens. So the parable of the gardens which is just um, covered yesterday. Um, seems to be, seems to again solicit the the comment of why the Quran has placed this discussion here because remember before this we had this uh, move from the people of the cave to a direct um, address to the prophet alayhi salatu wasalam on his um, manner of conduct and to preserve the manner of conduct he had with his very close companions who were perhaps not well-heeled, not, not affluent. And so that was one of the, the, the points of departure from a story to the, the here and now of the Prophet's life. And so the Qur'an constantly tries to make us break the connections between time and space. This is what's important. So what you'll find even in this whole section is that you'll find time um, moving from one you know past to present to the future you will you will see historical events but they're always brought down brought back and down to earth for us in terms of real examples of how we should live and the in the Quran extracts the lessons and then places them in front of us and then says that the the result of these lessons and the impact of these lessons and the and the the essential point of these lessons is to impact the way that you choose to live your life the way that you choose to operate you choose to interact with people and so that is one thing but then the other thing is that we're reminded that the way that you act on earth will have an effect after you die it's a very simple story so if you think of Islam and its, its salvific um, storyline in other words how you gain salvation mm-hmm. it is very interesting because you're, you're, you're created as a pure soul come to the earth in the earth you're asked to recognize the power and creative force of God as being one God and do good actions and your salvation is based upon the belief and the actions in the hereafter mm-hmm. so this is simple so other faiths have different ways of looking at salvation so for example Christianity again pure soul in fact not pure soul tainted soul yeah corrupted soul corrupted soul um, a fallen soul comes onto the earth and can only redeem itself by accepting 
the person of Christ as being the Saviour who sacrificed himself, or God sacrificed him for our sins, by accepting him you will be given eternal life. So you come onto earth, you come into your existence on earth already with a debt to pay. So it's interesting how the, the Quran is very, very clear and crisp in, in what your, your, your journey in life is. So when we're talking about living, we're thinking about COVID, we're thinking about job, job security, economics, health. So these are episodes in our lives here. But essentially the story is simple. You're born a pure soul, you come into the earth, you have circumstances that you have to deal with, you have choices to make, you do things and you believe things and you die. Now what the Qur'an is always focusing on is what you believe and what you do. الصالحات, those that believe and do good actions. That's basically the whole um, program of the Qur'an is do good, believe and do good. Two things. The belief will allow you to enter either into paradise or hellfire and the actions will give you the, the upgrade in the hereafter. Mm. So I mentioned this before, the upgrade that you get, you get the premium pass if you excel and vie with each other and go beyond what you expect yourself to do, to, do, to, to excel your own expectations to get the highest ranks of the hereafter. And this is why the Prophet ﷺ was given Maqam al-Mahmud, this elevated praiseworthy station by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he didn't just believe. But if you look at the Prophet's life, expending himself in good actions, he didn't just gain that you know, status on the basis of the fact that God had chosen him as the final Prophet. You know, So you find Aisha saying to the Prophet ﷺ, when he's doing the night prayer, um, why are you why are you exp- expending yourself, extending yourselves, yourself in praying to Allah to the point that your 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 feet are swollen, and the Prophet Ali used to say, "Awalam akun abdan shakura." Should I not be a grateful servant? So servanthood and the actions the Prophet did were, were a completion of his perfect servitude to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and so. He reached that station, Maqam al-Mahmud, wa min al-layli fatahajjad bihi nafilatan laka asa an yab'athaka rabbuka maqam al-Mahmuda. So Allah says to the Prophet ﷺ, and from the night, fatahajjad bihi, you know, um, fight with your desire to sleep. Tahajjud in Arabic means to to resist something. And in this context, it means to resist um, sleep, slumber. So Allah says, in the nights, you fight yourself in, 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 fight your sleep. In other words, pray. That's a special type of prayer, tahajjud. Because it may well be that Allah will raise you to maqam al-mahmuda. And so the Prophet's raising himself to that was based on his actions. So the Quran essentially is going to talk about the story of the cave. It's going to talk about this, the parable of the, of the gardens. It's going to talk about the story of the Prophet Musa I'm going to speak about Dhul Qarnayn and Ya'jud Ma'jud. Essentially, all these things are excuses to provide you with your basic program, which is to believe and good, do good actions. And so this is why, in the midst of fascinating stories and parables, you have the very simple um, exposition of what you are essentially supposed to do which is to understand the nature of life and then 
to act based upon your faith. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَضْرِبْ لَهُمْ مَثَلًا So again, remember the previous was an example, a striking example, striking example of, of the gardens. And here Allah is giving the example of the earth itself and life on earth. Hmm. That water comes down upon the earth from the skies and it, and it, and it congeals with the, 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 the plants on vegetation on earth and it becomes fresh and green and luscious. But later on what happens? It becomes dry and broken, dusty. The wind scatters it and Allah is able to do every single thing. In other words, this is the nature of your life. You come in fresh, innocent. Mm -hmm. You will come and act. You will come energetic, powerful, vibrant. And you will expel yourself to the end of your life if you live the full extent of your physical cells, you know, lifespan, you'll be the same thing. Lush, strong, vigorous, to old age, decrepit, and you will come to an end. And so why would you build everything as if you're going to live forever? You know, you know hmm. so you enjoy yourself to the point that you think you will enjoy yourself ever. Allah says, Al-Malu Al-Bununa Zinatul Hayat Al-Dunya you know, wealth and, and your offspring are nothing more than the adornments and, and the and the embellishments of the, of a worldly existence. Hayat dunya haya is as as you know, is life, but it's this kind of vibrancy. It's the vibrancy of the dunya which is the world that we live in. And Allah says, Well baqiyatu salihatu khayrun inda rabbik. And this is very interesting. Allah is saying here Baqiyatu Salihat. And and this is um translated here as but the good righteous deeds. Baqiyatu salihat the Prophet mentioned in a, in a hadith of Bukhari and other um, collections, um, the Prophet mentioned people to do al-baqiyatu salihat. And those are specific types of dhikr. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. Mm. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. These are considered to be al-baqiyatul salihat of the Prophet Now these are things you could do, lots of things that are baqiyatul salihat. You do actions which you know, extend beyond you and they're preserved after you pass away and they remain as your, as your legacy. But the simplest thing that everybody can do, not everybody can you know, um, build you know, monuments or things that serve thousands of people. Mm. You know, like um, Harun al-Rashid, his, his mother, Zubaydah Khatun, she built an aqueduct. Yeah, um, from uh, Istanbul to... No, no, she, oh, no, 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 she built it from, um, from Mecca to Makarrama to, to Arafat. Oh, okay. So to, 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 to provide water for the pilgrims yes. during those days of Hajj. And they, you know, she she was able to do it because she was rich. And at a certain point, the engineer said to her, "It's too, it's going to be too costly." Hmm. The project, which essentially you have to pay people to build an edifice which carries water and, and, and creates a, a a steady incline from Mecca to Makarama to Arafat. They said it's too expensive, and and she said, "Do it, even if every single striking of the hammer costs a dinar." You know, if the cost is so much that every time you have to break a stone to break through the, the mountains to get this this line of water to Arafat, then you have to do it. Not everybody can do this baqiyatul salihat. In fact, when I went to Umrah, I think it was two years ago, um, we were we went obviously to 
to do Umrah, but they also give you a kind of tour of the Hajj sites. Yeah. And my mother pointed out to me the, the aqueduct. Yeah. Because I was looking for it. The aqueduct is still there. The remnants of the aqueduct are still there. there. If you see it. I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, so that's Baqiyatul Salihat. That is an, an act which is Baqiyah, which is uh, enduring, which is over you know, 1,200 12, years. It's still there. Salihat, you know, the intention of that is between her and her, her Lord. Hmm. But that is something that endures. And so Allah is saying, why don't you do something, instead of doing this whole frivolous entertainment thing that the Dajjal is going to do, which is basically entertain you to the point that you think this world is worth living for. Allah is saying in Baqiyatul Salihat, these are the things that are, you know, far more greater in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. خَيْرٌ عِنْدَ رَبِّكَ Thawaba are greater in the eyes of your Lord in terms of what reward they entail. amala and are better for you to put your hope in. This is quite interesting. Um, so the, you know, with the translations, you never get this out. The whole thing is, it's better. You know, you got two things. You've got your wealth, and you've got your your you know kind of your wealth and your children and your and, your, and, and all these embellishments. On the one hand, and then you've got these actions that remain forever, which are pure and, and, and for the sake of God. Allah says they are better in the eyes of your Lord in terms of the reward that you get, but also, are better for you to have hope in. Hmm. Because remember the Jannat, the, the story of the, the gardens was that the person walked through these beautiful gardens, luscious, and he felt what? He says, I am greater than you in terms of my wealth. And I've got more people behind me. Yeah. Children, servants, etc., etc. That was the delusion that meant that he re- rejected the resurrection, rejected the fact that Allah will bring him to task, and that he will ever have to forfeit all of this wealth. And what happens is, everything disappears. It's the same thing that happens here. So Allah is just redirecting us to the fact that, وَيَوْمَ نُسِيِّرُ الْجِبَالِ And on the day that we make the, the mountains um, part and, and, and travel, and you see that the earth is like leveled and, and disheveled and abandoned. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and we shall gather them all together and we will leave nobody behind. In other words, all of those people that felt that the world was something that would remain forever, they will also be brought. Hmm. So nobody, there will be no exceptional circumstances just because you felt you could sustain yourself on the wealth and the prosperity and also the GDP and the kind of the innovations that you have technological or whatever that you felt that that was what was going to give you longevity and eternity and a life that remains forever that's all going to disappear so all of the people that think that they're building something that will remain and they will rejuvenate their, 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 you know, so you have all these movements of it, trying people trying to augment their physical body through technology. And you have also have people that are attempting to make themselves immortal by you know, living in oxygen bubbles and all these kind of things. It's essentially the same thing that afflicted people in the past. Not, not, nothing new, the technology is new. But the sense of wanting to remain forever is the same thing that Pharaoh did. Pharaoh essentially was doing something very interesting which was to stop the ongoing process of aging. 
Reflections with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Inshallah, we'll be right back after this ad break. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, reflections uh, with uh, our Sheikh here in Glasgow. Um, topic is Surah Kahf and the themes within this Surah and its relevance uh, with our situation that we are living. Next, next part, inshallah, we'll be focusing more on that. Uh, so, welcome back again, uh, people who were uh, with us before this break. You would know what we were talking about. And those of you who have just joined, this is uh, Riri Ramadan's Reflection with Sheikh Rudwan Muhammad. Um, Surah Kahf uh, and the theme today uh, is uh, just after the, story, the, the parable of two people who had gardens. Uh, one was uh, grateful and the other boastful um, and I was wondering Sheikh that this section has some connection with that story as well because that section uh, spoke about um, the, the ornaments of life mm-hmm. how one is a grateful person mm-hmm. and the other one uh, kind of boasts about his own ability and ascribes mm-hmm. all the success to himself Yes, and then the section comes and says this life is nothing mm-hmm. It's going to end. Mm. Don't plan as if you're going to live forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, live it as a passing thing. Mm. And the real thing that will be with you is what you have done as good deeds. What you've, yeah, yes. what, what you've left behind. Mm. And as you pointed out in the previous section, the, mm. what you leave behind may not be as grand as uh, something that uh, Harun Rashid's... Um, Yes, yeah, so Mother anything did. that, you know, something that's grand and known by everybody. So the aqueduct is known by, was known by everybody in antiquity. Yeah. Um, but the thing that you do might not be known by anybody. But is it, is, make it, it, less is it a principle that you hmm. endeavour to leave a legacy, however small that may be? No, I, I think um, the issue of legacy is overstated. Okay. You know, the idea that you should build live to build a legacy I think I understand the point as a Muslim you should live you know I always think you know the Prophet Ali Salatu Wasalam he didn't live to build a legacy I don't think like he lived to do the right thing when he at the moment he was doing something so what I'm getting is that Yes, from what, you no, is no, that when you that. plan to leave a legacy, that could be istikbar. That could be. Yes, no, the, the reason legacy is a big thing. Legacy is like you want to die and you want to, people to speak about something you did which helps people. It's fine. Your legacy of. But is it fine? No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll probably try and think about that. <laughs> is it fine? No, you look, look, is it good imagine you passed away and then after you've passed away, you've left a legacy? So people mm. remember you by the legacy. To remember you. Now, in, in the context of the Quranic narrative and the worldview, um, what is of benefit to you is not your legacy. If mm. it was done for reasons other than being... Remember, the, the, the Quran has an amazing way of saying it. Baqiyat salihat Baqiyat is legacy. It is then. Salihat... So you- like legacy is baqiyat it will remain legacy remains after you but was it salih was it coupled with an intention that was pure you're, you're trying to hit the gold mine you're trying to 
you know, get to the point where you've got the legacy, but it was also, wasn't, your purpose wasn't legacy. The purpose was being true to God, was doing, being muhsin, was doing something salih. Salih is something that's done purely for the sake of Allah. It's something that can, an intention that's done exactly for God and for nothing except God. And so what I'm saying is the Prophet Ali didn't live to build a legacy. Hmm. He he lived according to the moment he was in. Sahib al-hal. Sahib al-hal. And the, and, the, and the people of the self call it Ibn al-Waqt. The, 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 the child of the moment. Yeah. In other words, and what does that mean? It means that you look to see what Allah wants you to do at this very moment. Not with one eye on your legacy. Do you see the corruptibility of that? And it's a very simple thing to do because it means that everybody can now relax. You know, like people listening and people are watching and, and people are not watching. The point is, if you're watching thinking, I want to, this is too much, I need to build a legacy and what people say about me and my profession is, um, I want to be that. And the legacy, God doesn't care about your profession, your professional capacity capabilities. He doesn't care about... You know your expertise in specific issues. Doesn't even care about your knowledge, to be honest, because we'll come to the story of uh, Iblis. <laughs> he cares about the the purity of the act that you did, having faith in Allah. So faith faith in Allah is a given, but the purity of intention when doing the act while in the faith of God, that's what God's looking at. And so the way that you ma- you maximize that as a listener is at this moment in time what are you what is the closest thing you can do to get to towards god find out what that is and do it and this is the surprising thing is that those things are extremely simple mundane activities very basic mundane it's basic what the the thing that you were supposed to do now is the thing that will come bring you closer to allah like think of your if you're about to you know your child's under the age where it can feed itself now, you have lots of things you can do. In the eyes of Allah, the greatest thing you can do is to feed the child. Allah. Okay. But that's not, that's not rocket science. It is. What you said just now has transformed. No, I don't think so. I have no, I have no, I have no uh, reason. You have, uh, well, okay. I think it must have transformed a lot of people's way of thinking. No, because it's baqiyah to salihat. I don't because know if it's Because the child requires, you're responsible for the nurture, upbringing, education, nourishment of the child. That is your immediate responsibility. The thing of doing, you know, that's why you can do, you know, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, akbar. These, you can do these things in your mind all the time. But to feed the child, you can couple it. You can do both. But surely you can't do anything productive, substantial, mm-hmm. impactful mm-hmm. until you you toil, you plan, mm-hmm. you work hard mm-hmm. and you have your eyes on the future mm-hmm. and you also do things which you would never see them grow mm-hmm. as trees but you would plant them now yes and you would know that the fourth or the fifth generation mm-hmm. probably would would uh, yield the fruit mm-hmm. see th- th- this is your questions based upon the idea that there's some kind of um there is some kind of o- opposition in the two things mm-hmm or they're, they're mutually exclusive. In other words, you can only do one or the other. Being in the moment could mean that, that you're planning. F- your your moment is to plan that. Yeah. But so, you, you, you've no, got like, to have your eye, eyes set on that aim. Yes. That your aim is to do something 
which mm. is long lasting okay but at this moment in t- at this moment if you're doing that long lasting thing there's things you need to do now to get to that long lasting thing absolutely the, the first step and and so that is the point the point is the prophet ali when he was faced with an issue he would turn his attention to what he wanted to happen but the goals were set the goals were set and then he, he, he would get on with the the mundaneness of doing it but he had the title of rahmatullah alamin yes to to be that mm-hmm. rahmatullah alamin mm-hmm. he had to be in the moment he had to be in the moment because you think that everyone he came into contact with if he neglected them and said i need to build a legacy yeah i need to conquer mecca so imagine the only thing I'm the person more important cared things. about was getting back Mecca to Muqarrama with the Kaaba and the Haram, doing the Hajj. And so all the people that came to him, he would say, look, are you going to help me or not? The building he didn't legacy. do that. He, he looked at them and said, how can I help this person, this poor miskeen? How can I help them, their, their heart to grow? How can I bring them close to Allah? How can I teach them the worship of God? For the Prophet that that idea of conquering or opening... Mecca was not the, the 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 prism through which he he viewed everybody, which was the the issue of legacy. If you're saying legacy, what you find is if people want to build a legacy, they trample over the the sensibilities of people to get to a legacy. Yeah. And the point I'm I'm saying is that type of mentality of building legacies, while on the way you trample in sensibilities of people that may be close to God, is not a legacy worth having because it's not. Saliha, it's not pure. Yeah. It might be uh, baqiya. Uh, 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 it becomes pretentious. It, mm. it becomes. Mm. I mean, if if you focus on that, mm-hmm. and that's that has been the focus of mm. uh, the, the way we are taught, mm-hmm. the way we, we are, we grow up is mm-hmm. to do something grand, do something big, to mm-hmm. do something which has an impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you then follow the path, follow the tracks, mm-hmm. which will lead to. Bigger, grander, mm-hmm. impactful things. Yes, nothing, nothing wrong with that. This is the point. There's nothing wrong with that. My point is, we look at historical figures, like look at people that built nations, like people that we say had a legacy. Now, there's one thing we are looking at that person and their legacy. So you know the anti-apartheid movement. You look at the 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 whole issue of racism in America and how it started to turn. The tide and people left legacies because of their civil disobedience. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we look back and we say they left a legacy, and absolutely they they will get the what the the just rewards for that. I'm talking about the person themselves who is the legacy, the per- legacy maker. You can create a legacy in two ways. You can do a legacy by focusing your nia on on the small things, while having the eye on the legacy. The legacy is not your purpose. The legacy is something that happens because God's promise is true. It's uh, And that legacy could be nothing, but God's promise is true. It could be that, you know, if you're sincere in what you're doing, you know, what will be left behind is, is something that's intangible, but it will be weighty in the eyes of God. So the whole point is like this idea of balance. The balance of human beings and the balance of God is different. Like that one pure thing for the sake of Allah by a by a sinner could be far greater than the, than the than the than a, f- a full weight of good actions by people a person who's considered a saint because the intention may be completely different the the t- intention and the and the neediness towards Allah 
at the moment that the person does it can be so pure that it can elevate the action to you know something that is grand. Hmm. So you have that in the hadith of the Prophet of mentioning um, a woman who was of ill repute who fed water to a dog, by which action, the only action she did, in fact, that caused her to enter into the garden. And then mm. you have all the actions on the other side, which is of ill repute. So the Prophet is essentially saying those actions of ill repute, when when coupled with an, an, an action of pure intention for the sake of Allah and helping even a dog, like in, in the context of that culture, then look at the impact of that. So legacy, her legacy was that she entered paradise. And she's mentioned by people. The parable of her is mentioned by people. Mm. And so the issue of legacy is not So important. what we're saying is, وَالْبَاقِيَاتُ salihat. Mm-hmm. You focus on salihat and the baqiyat will occur. Essentially. Because if they're saliha, they will remain. But the Quran is describing as being al-baqiyatu salihat. Meaning the things that remain, but they have to be saliha. That's why saliha comes after baqiyah. Yeah, but the, but the focus is saliha. But it doesn't say salihatul baqiyatun, which is, uh, would be a sentence that pure things will remain. It doesn't say that. It's saying that people always focus on legacy. So it's interesting that you, interesting you pointed that out. The structure of it is, of the Arabic, of putting baqiyatul salihat in that order, is to draw attention to what we want, which is legacy. Mm. But then it's saying, by the way, if you want legacy, it has to be salihat. Hmm. Do you understand? If you do it the other way around, it's as if you're just making a statement that good actions, oh, pure actions will remain. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah, so I, the simplest, that's, that, that, that construction in Arabic is one of the simplest constructions you can get, which is basically descriptive construction. But the Quran really, you know, the way it just words, two words in, in opposite directions, it will make such an impact in terms of the power of what's being mentioned. So when I read it, that's what comes to mind. Legacy has to be a legacy that's built upon pure intention. Because that's the thing that will not disappear. So the whole, the whole you know, section here is all about lusciousness and, and, and grandeur and, 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 and vegetation disappearing. And that's the same as a legacy that everyone's talking about in the hereafter. It's nothing. And this concept that we have in our faith, that what you do... And how many people benefit from it? Mm. You will keep getting reward for that. Mm-hmm. We talk about it in charity. We talk mm-hmm. about it in good actions. Mm-hmm. And what you have sown as a bad action, mm-hmm. and people have copied you doing it. Mm-hmm. As far as it goes, it will come back to you. Yes. So the Prophet said in the Hadith of Imam Muslim, "Man sanna fil Islam sunnatan hasana." Very famous hadith. Whoever starts a pathway in our in our in Islam, which is hasana, he has the reward of it, or she has the reward of it, and everyone who acts upon it, without it decreasing their um, reward in any any way. Mm. And the opposite is saying, whoever initiates a, an act in Islam, which is sayyia sunnah sayyia will get the the wizard the, the the you know the 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 sin of that person and everybody who acts upon it until the day of judgment and without it decreasing in in their sin in any way so you have this multiplicity but the whole point is all i'm saying is about the intention that ha- that is behind this mm. so yes we say that if you know you you know i was listening to turkish radio this morning and they were it's a campaign in one of the stations to you know distribute mushafs to Bosnia, 
Mm-hmm. And they were saying, you know, help your brothers in Bosnia to get access to Masahif in their own language, and you'll get the reward of everybody who re- mm-hmm. recites. You'll hear that everywhere in Ramadan. But what we understand is you donate it with the intention, the correct intention. That's all. That's all that's required. Yeah. And what it's it does, but, 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 but as, a, um, as a person of basira, as a mm-hmm. person of foresight and insight, mm-hmm. you do do things with ends in mind mm-hmm. and the impact it may have and it should have. Absolutely. I mean, you look at, like giving cha- you've mentioned the example of charity. We have the example of the two, two sisters, uh, Aisha and Asma, bint Abi Bakr radiallahu anhu. So, Two sisters, the same father, but they had completely different ways of um, giving charity. Mm. Aisha radiallahu anha would be prudent, she would be thoughtful, she would plan, and she would execute her charity at specific points in the year. Mm-hmm. Asma bint Abi Bakr radiallahu anha, she was completely different. She was, in her life, she was much more, um, you would probably say, spontaneous. Yep. Like somebody comes everything, give everything to this person, give everything. No. Aisha would would look at the person and, and think, okay, they don't need it. Somebody else later will come that needs it more. Hmm. Do you understand? But the point is everybody's like that. Every, some people are spontaneous, some people are have this sense of vigor and, and some people are more introspective, some people are more extra extroverts. It happens in religious life as well. So the point here is both are, 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 are both are good because we're looking at the intention, not the way that you do it. Because mm. Aisha would say, look, it's better that you m- maximize the impact. Okay, so do a, a, a cost-benefit analysis yeah. of the situation and let's make this charity go a long way, basically, mm-hmm. for the best and most deserving person. Asma Abu Bakr would say, you know, the person in front of me is connected to a pathway towards the acceptance of God because the, the hadith of Prophet is that uh, in, in, um, that charity falls into the, the, the hand of Allah or the palm of Allah before it, it falls into the hand of the, the poor person. So she would have just seen that. Yeah, she's saying this is Allah giving me an opportunity to give him qardan hasana for yudaifla. You know, Allah is saying that give God a, a grant of of, a, of a, a loan, and God will increase it for you. Like a, you never get a debt that you give somebody that then provides you with profit. But this is the type of transaction you're in. You give God a debt, God will give you so much more in in, in response, and so. You know, there's no mutual exclusivity here at all. The only thing we need to focus in is on that hadith that is the beginning of most major books of of hadith is Actions are only to be judged, meaning their value and acceptance in the eyes of God is only to be judged based upon the intention behind them. Now, if you have a legacy that's built and there's no intention, yes, you've got a legacy, but it's not going to be help you in the hereafter. So the whole point of this is that, exactly that. And they will be placed in, in, in rows in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Safa. And that's quite interesting because then they will say, 
um, you know, they were placed in front of Allah in the way that they were created in the first instance. Nothing. You know, that's interesting. Because Allah will bring them in front of him in rows. You know, the thing that they asked, they, they boasted about on earth, which is Al-Mal, Wal-Bunun, Nafara, all these things that they, they were called upon to support their claim to be mighty and invincible. How can you have them if you're arranged in, in Sufuf, like in prayer, but naked? Hmm. Like you, you don't have any pockets. And if you just go to the very basic stuff, you don't have any bags. You've not got any servants to bring your wealth. You've got nothing at all. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that this is going to be the the the, um, the promise that you're given. الكتاب, and then at that point, the book of records will be placed. And you will find the people that have disbelieved in Allah, the criminals, the people that have disobeyed Allah, fearful of what is recorded therein. Mm. And the interesting about this section in the Quran is it's very famous because it 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 you know this has not happened yet, remember. But it tells you exactly what they will say. Mali kitab. You know, it's like this. Mali kitab. You know what is about what is it about this book? They are angry, they're frustrated, they're fearful, all these emotions are coming to mind when they say, What is it about this book? It doesn't leave neither a small thing nor a big thing except that it has it ledged perfectly. Al-Muhsi is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's the Muhsi. He's the one that will take you to account for every minute thing that you do and will grant you reward for every minute thing that you even, you're even neglectful of that you recognize to be good. Even if you don't recognize it to be good, you've forgotten it. Allah will take it and record it. وَوَجَدُوا مَا عَمِلُوا حَاضِرًا So beautiful. They find what they did present. You know, the only they've got nothing. Like they have, they're naked. No bags, no money, nothing that they support. But what they find is what they acted upon. Their actions Hadira, present. So this is why I was at the beginning of this kind of session. What came to mind was, Amanu amilu salihat. You know, I was talking about salvation. Islam is very simple. Pure soul comes into earth. You have tests and 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 and, and choices. All you need to do is believe and do good actions. And then when you get to the hereafter, wajadu ma amilu hadira. What you do, you'll find in front of you. So this is very simple. It's like. Checkout. You go go around the checkout. You put things in in the box. You go to the checkout and you find all the things you put in the basket um, on the conveyor belt and you pay for it. It's very simple. And your Lord, you should know this. This is why it's being mentioned here. Your Lord will not be unjust to anybody. And then it goes on. As soon as it finishes that. It tells us of the the primordial story of وَإِذْ قُلْنَا لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ اسْجُدُوا لِآدَمِ That same thing of Surah Al-Baqarah and all the other sections of the Quran when we said to the angels prostrate before Allah and they prostrated except for Iblis كَانَ مِلَ الْجِنِ He was from the jinn فَفَسَقَ عَنْ أَمْرِ رَبِّي He rebelled against the command of his Lord. And so that's it. You know why is this, this is mentioned? It's because all of what's mentioned previous to this 
which is our rebellion against God and thinking that what we do and what we own and what we, the legacy we create will make us immortal is all from Iblis. That not from meaning that he is the one responsible, that tendency started with Iblis. And we're nothing more than the progeny of Iblis if we follow that pathway. So, essentially makes a very interesting um, move into, you know, inshallah, tomorrow we'll start to go on to the, the story of the Prophet Musa Ali Salatu as well. Uh, reflections with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Uh, time is 8.26 for a short ad break. Uh, iftar today is at 9.11. Uh, today, 9.11. Um, after this break, inshallah, we'll be going into the section uh, of uh, knowing our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam through uh, this theme uh, that we've been uh, covering in Surah Kahf. So reflections with Sheikh Rizwan. Um, Time is 8.36, Riftar is at 9.11. So, Sheikh, Sira, life of our Master Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What comes to mind is Ghazwa Khandaq. Ghazwa Khandaq, right? So, it's a result of a siege, of a lockdown around Medina. And it's a 30-day lockdown. Lockdown. I didn't think of it that way, but... Yeah. So it, it was well, like... it's true, yeah. That's true. Yeah, it was a, it's a complete lockdown. Mm-hmm. People couldn't go out. People couldn't come in. They had to ration. They had to plan. Mm. It was uncertain. Actually, you, who's, who told you that? Sorry? Who told you that one? I don't know. Have been I'm reading assuming. about it? I'm assuming. That was the case. Okay, I've never, heard, I've never. It, it's, a lot of people have spoken about lockdown. I never heard anybody mention Khandaq. But Khandaq was followed by a lockdown. Yes, Khandaq. well, the Khandaq was the lockdown. I mean, Khandaq was a lockdown. Khandaq is the, de- the battle of the trench. When you had twenty, around twenty thousand Confederates um, coming to the city of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi and they were basically besieging the city. So you had Bani Ghatafan, you had the Quraysh, you had um, the, the tribal um, actors from Eastern Arabia. You had lots of people just joining forces against the Prophet Ali And so the way that they dealt with that was to um, decide whether to go out to battle, which they couldn't, there's too many people. Mm. And so what they decided to do was um, remain in the city, but since Sayyidina Salman al-Farisi, he 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 told them a, a strategy which was to to stop the cavalry coming into the city, which forces the opponent to to do hand-to-hand battle. He said, "Build a trench." So they built a trench, and once they'd built the trench, they had to remain yeah in lockdown. They were basically no one could no one could basically leave, um, and they were very short of food. Mm. That's the other thing. Um, and they were basically, and, and very interesting actually, you know, in, in, the, in the current context of COVID, you know, I was reading today about the economic impact of the lockdown in terms of not of recession, we're talking about depression, we're talking, um, it, I mean, it, it depends really how long this goes on, but you're talking about a, a, a historical dip in certain countries are already quite precarious in terms of their economic viability. I mean, Italy, for example, is such an aging population that and places like Greece, the, the, the population is so aging that it can't sustain itself as an economic player at an international um, level. And 
so what you see is the GDP that they they're spending out to mitigate COVID is ex, ex, you know in, in, compared to its its actual productivity is is enormous. And so in the Battle of Khandaq, what happens is the Prophet offers the companions, which is Ansar specifically, that he will negotiate with Ghatafan, who is the biggest tribe, the, the warrior tribe in the in the Battle of of of, of the Khandaq. And, and they're, they're outside is, Medina. They're obviously outside Medina. They're one of the tribes that are joined forces with the Quraysh. So the Quraysh are the people that decided the master plan to defeat yeah. the Prophet. Bani Ghatafan is there just for the wealth. And what the Prophet says to the, the companions is that we will give them, you know, almost all of our date produce for this year. And essentially, that's like in a lockdown, that's you trying to secure your survival by paying ev- way above the odds. Like you see people nowadays, the beginning of this um, pandemic, you saw people selling, you know, you know, like hand sanitizer and all these kind of things in an extortionate way, and people were buying them. So yeah. people are buying the strangest things for really extortionate prices because they're extraordinary times, and they say unprecedented times. And so that was unprecedented because the the the, the amount of wealth that they had was fixed, their wealth was their produce. It was an agricultural city, as you know. Mecca al-Mukarramah was, was an economic city, which meant that it had wealth. So this is why, you know, the, the people of, of Mecca al-Mukarramah, they weigh things. Mm. Whereas the people of Medina al-Nawara, they used to um, sell things by volume. Because, you know, weighing is for gold and silver. So how much gold, how much silver. Whereas, you know, if you're selling wheat, barley, dates... You're basically taking a bucket, which is a certain size, and you'll say, I'll buy two of these pots, two of these buckets for such and such an amount. So they were an agricultural community, and they decided to, the Prophet said, I will, I will negotiate with Ghatafan to give you, give them almost all of your date produce. And they said to him, they said to the Prophet, will we now forfeit ourselves and give our wealth away after we've accepted you as the messenger of God? In other words, they knew that the Prophet was doing this to save them. And then they said to him, look, you don't need to do this. We're in, we're in this with you. We would rather remain steadfast and, and go through this. And so, you know, think of, of, of the Battle of Khandaq as, as, a, as a lockdown. is quite an interesting um, thing. But the interesting thing about the Khandaq is also that the most, um, I won't choose the right word here, the most audacious prophecies come out of Khandaq. Mm. Like, if you're, if you're just struggling to survive, True. like you are basically hand to mouth in terms of food. So you have all the miracles of Prophet and basically he goes to a person's house who everyone's hungry and the companions says, just invite the Prophet I'll slaughter this last sheep, this last lamb that I have. But make sure only he comes and two people. And so Prophet arrives and says, okay, everybody come. Audacity to do that because you're expecting that small lamb, which is, you know, nowadays two people eat, eat it. He asked all the people that are working in the, in the digging the, the ditch to come. And they kept feeding and kept feeding and kept feeding. So you have the hadith of Abu Rafi in which Prophet said to him, Give me the, the shoulder and the shoulder. Two shoulders. And then after that, he said, The third time. And the third time, Abu, Abu, Abu Rafi said, How can I give you a shoulder when, the, when, the, when the, the sheep only has two shoulders? And the Prophet said, If, you, if you'd placed your hand in the pot 
and and dealt me something, it would be it would have been a shoulder, hmm. like a miracle. Yeah. And in that context of Khandaq, you also have all the prophecies of the Prophet conquering the east and the west, Sham, Yemen, the story of you know the the, the treasures of Qisra. They're all mentioned in the this very precarious lockdown situation. And that is audacity. That's like this. There's such a strong faith in Allah that He's telling the people when they're basically looking to see where the next meal's coming from. He's telling them, by the way, you're going to get the bracelets of Khisra. Yeah. And they're thinking, let's just check this. You mean Khisra Fors? You know, the, 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 is this the same person we're talking about? You know, the emperor of Persia? <laughs> because they could so, imagine they were st- the Prophet was talking about somebody else. So but the, they said yes. So the Im- imagery is that mm. 30 days, there's no food. Mm. Uh, they, they're on the knees, right? Mm. Um and then thirty plus. So the Quran describes it until your hearts got to your throat. Yeah. You know when you're such such fear, the heart is pul- pulsating so much that you actually feel it's hitting the top of your throat. That's the state of the people of the city. Everybody. That's the state they're in. Yes. And then they're also preparing for an enemy, which is well kind of equipped, mm-hmm. thousands of people mm-hmm. outnumbering them. Yeah, they're around 3,000 well and they're yes. outnumbered by about 20,000, 15,000 people. Mm-hmm. By 15,000, yeah. 15,000 people. Mm. So, uh, better equipped. Mm. And yet, Prophet ﷺ is saying to his companions, mm. uh, if you hit this rock, mm-hmm. and then, the, you know, the, in, when they hit the rock, there's the flames that come out. Mm-hmm. So, and that's this, this instance of Salman al Farisi was digging and then they, could, they couldn't shift this massive boulder in the middle of the trench. And so the Prophet came down and hit it, and, he, and when he hit it, there was three sparks that came out, and the Prophet asked him, um, Salman al Farisi asked, What are the three sparks? And he says, well, The first is, is the conquest of, of Yemen, which is south. Yemen is a metaphor for south. And then and the second was, was Sham, which is the northern territories. And then the third one, the Prophet said, is the dominions between the east and the west. And that's basically everything. And that is essentially, you know, when we'll talk about Abdul um, Qarnayn, he was given the dominion of the, of the east and the west. The Prophet was given exactly the same thing. Each of the Prophets, or all the, or the stories that are mentioned in Surah Al-Kahf, they have a very strong parallel with the Prophet's Sira. Because every other Prophet was sent to their own people. Mm. The Prophet was was was, main, was given the, the story of the Dulqarnain to prophesize this dominion that he would have slice in him. So two different things comes to mind, right? One is that, okay, so one is an observation, another one is a question. Mm-hmm. And the observation is that in such low times, they're still talking about conquering the world mm-hmm. and how the generations after them will be rewarded and they will be the leaders mm-hmm. and they are the ones who are going to, who are going to lead and benefit from being in power mm-hmm. so that's a hope in, in today's situation whoever is in whatever state mm-hmm. to be able to see through this low time mm-hmm. going into some kind of high time mm-hmm. that's the story that we get from our master muhammad sallallahu Yes, optimism. That's optimism. I mean, that's that's ultimate optimism. I mean, there's nowhere in the seerah I think where the optimism is is more stark than this situation. 
Um, and it's not, it's not prophecy that you will conquer, it will be given to you. So it's not even telling you how this will happen. The Prophet is saying, how will you be when you know the, 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 the bracelets of, of Khusrow are brought to you? How will you be when Yemen and, and Sham, greater Syria, will be conquered? How will you be when my dominion reaches the east and the west? Mm. It's not telling you how it will happen, but essentially saying, look, I am that prophet. So, so dealing with uncertainty with mm. some certainty. Mm-hmm. You're totally uncertain in your present situation. Yes. So this is an exception. We can't use. We can't say. Well, the lesson for us today is 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 anything because we don't know the future. This but is we are prophecies. certain that we are going to perish. No, we're not. We're not certain we're going to perish. Are you saying we're certain we're going to perish? Ultimately, we are all mortals. So, oh no, that, yeah, in that yeah, sense, we're, what, we're, what we're, we're, we're perishable we're, goods. Yes. Yeah. So that's certainty. So dealing with uncertainty with the certainty of end mm. of life mm. for each one of us. Yes. And I mean, that, that gives us the strength that w- you have this time period where mm-hmm. you can only do what we we spoke about al malu wal bununa zinatul hayat al dunya wal baqiyat al salihat khairun inda rabbika thababan wa khairun amala. Yes, but my problem here. Mm-hmm. See, I'm, I'm trying to get your problem. I'm trying to think. You you're taxing my brain. So what's your problem? <laughs> my problem is this. There doesn't seem to be something in between that while you're enjoying the the ornaments of this life, mm-hmm. it's kind of always toned down. Mm-hmm. Where you're asked to just tone it down. It's nothing. Mm-hmm. This dunya is just frivolous. It's just, it, it is zero, it's zilch. Mm-hmm. Isn't it uh, zero, it's not zilch. Time. I think you're putting words in, in the mouth of people. <laughs> No one's saying zero and zilch. The only way you understand the beauty of the hereafter is by the beauty of this world. Okay. So you ha- if you've never experienced and you don't partake in the, in the zinat al-hayat al-dunya, by knowing it, you will not understand the metaphors of God saying, muttaki'ina ala al-ara'ik, so, uh, which we uh, talked uh, about how, yesterday, how which is reclining upon um, couches of brocade, wearing silk and... And uh, and there's servants, you know, presenting them with food, all this. So I don't understand any of that. Where, where uh, you know, there, there is a, this dead animal, and Prophet mm-hmm. saying dunya is like this, or even worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Was it uh, a sheep or, uh-huh. or, or, or a calf? Yes. Yeah, dunya is worse than that. The yeah, ultimate nature of it is that, because the only point that's here, here is there's nothing evil in, the, in, in, the, in, in, in any of the embellishments. Okay. It's your perspe- perspective and perception of them that is the thing that will destroy you, not the the zina itself. You understand? It's weird, you know, all of this is not like the legacy wasn't a problem. The problem is how you get to the legacy. Mm. The zina al hayat al dunya is not the problem. It's what you use the zina al hayat al dunya for, which is the embellishments of worldly life. Is it to project? That if this is what we have in this life, then imagine what it ha- is in the year, hereafter. You don't seek it, you get it. You, you, you don't seek it, you get it to make sense of what will be there for you in the future. But this whole life interaction is about making this life uh, better, more organized, easier for people to live in. Yes. This whole civilization is about this. Mm-hmm. Medicine, engineering... Mm-hmm. Um, trade, commerce, yes, making things easy for human race, and it should be not just easy, but excellent, and it should be. You know, so we're not arguing about any of that. We're not disagreeing upon any of that. 
All we're saying is that if that is the, the full stop of your existence, which is when you're interacting with that thing which is easy and better and more efficient, then that is the be-all and end-all of your existence, essentially that will then come to dust. That's the whole point is that thing, if you if you pin your hopes on that thing, that will come to an end. If you make that a means by which you're attaching yourself to something that is baqiyatul salihat, then that is, you know, using something that is beneficial for yourself and humanity and, and society. And then looking at it and saying, I know it's not going to last forever, so let's build something that lasts forever. That's all. So you're just, you're creating the technology that is more efficient, more progressive, more innovative. That will do good. But you're knowing that when you die, that will remain. Why pursue something which is just meaningless? It's not something... It's not meaningless because the moment that you have some innovation, you're you're creating um, benefit, you're creating... um, you know, some kind of leverage in somebody's life, you're creating um, help, you, there's some functionality to it which helps somebody in some type of difficulty or eases something or makes something better or more beautiful. So, for example, imagine you're de- designing a, a computer program for um, designers, for example. That will make the thing that people design more appealing, more beautiful. So, you're increasing... A, the, the idea of, 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 of beauty and perfection in creation in some way. So there's nothing wrong with that. So your only issue is then, is that the be on and end all of your existence or is that something that is a stepping stone towards contemplating the fact that, you know, Allah is the one that creates in Allah Jamil Yuhibbul Jamal. God is the one that is beautiful and loves that, that, is, that which is beautiful. So... If you look at the architecture that Muslims have, the beauty of Alhambra or the Ottoman mosques and the Mughal edifices that they've created, these are all indications they made them so that they could contemplate the beauty of God by attempting to create some kind of order in, in, in the universe, mm. knowing that that is nothing but a drop in the ocean of the order that God has created. So in the pursuit of perfection, in the pursuit of um you know, div- you know, kind of things that are much more efficient. You can do it without a view of the hereafter, or you can do it with a view. So when Muslims developed all these inventions, you know, the type of culture that was there was a, with a view that even if you're doing all this amazing thing, essentially it's nothing compared to the qualities of God. So even if you look at the most basic ar- artifacts like the Persian rug, they would always make a mistake in the rug, weaving some kind of anomaly that would point towards the fact that this is almost perfect, so beautiful, but there's this small imperfection. They would intentionally do that. You know, so that what kind of culture would do that? That is a culture that is imbued with the fact that you you you'd seek mm. to perfect and beautify, but you stick something in to remind you that that is not baqiyatul salihat. Hmm. So they're pursuing beauty, they're pursuing these colourful rugs and ornaments, but they would always place something that would show some sense of imperfection in their own, in their own actions, in their own handiwork, artefacts. So then it's the best of both worlds because you're doing it while accepting that this will not remain forever. So it's like a balancing act, it's a very interesting balancing act where you you cannot be living like a Cave so person. In, this infinite life that we have mm. waiting for us mm. is dependent on what 
this 60, 70, 80 years odd that we live. Mm-hmm. And this has to be perfectly, beautifully, immaculately balanced mm-hmm. for us to pass through the barzakh, the lockdown, mm. uncertainty, mm. to other side to have this infinite bliss. Yes, I mean, the, your choices or your actions and your intentions and your um, choice, all these things are basically what decides what you have in store for you. In other words, you get, you know, so in, in the section we're reading today, the, 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 the people said, Mali had al kitab, what is it about this book? Doesn't leave a small or a big thing, illa ahsaha. Doesn't leave a small or a big thing except that it accounts for it perfectly. So the point is that we have constantly in our lives um, opportunities, crossroads where we have to make choices that will be enumerated. Mm. Essentially, it's, it's a fair deal. You have choice yep. between right and wrong. You feel that choice. You feel the ability to choose. And essentially, the Prophet showed that when he, in his own choices, he made those choices. It shows us that it's a very live, real thing that we can do. It's, it's emboldening and it's also empowering for a person that they know that they can ultimately uh, make those decisions and choices that will impact on their future. Mm-hmm. It's not as if something's taken off the table for you, nothing is taken to the point that you're unable to do something. So that is, in Surah Al-Kahf, these intermissions between the big, big stories. The yeah. story of the cave, the story of the of the, the, the gardens, the story of the Prophet Musa, the, Prophet, the story of the Dhul-Qarnayn and the Ya'juj and Ma'juj. These are all interspersed with just that basic, stark truth of Amanu Amilu Salihat, faith and do good. All these stories, all these miraculous events are there just to remind you in some way that your and, and responsibility in any, is that. any condition, even the, the times, the conditions that mm. we are in, mm. to recognize what time we are in just mm. now. Yes. Uh, the time of Musiba, time of Ibtila, the time of. Uh, it's, it's a testing time, it's a different time, something we're not used to. And yes, absolutely unique. I mean, f- f- from a live perspective, most people would say it's unique for us. Um, so Allah says, Ma asaba mi musibatin fil ardi wala fi anfusikum illa fi kitabi min qabli an nabraaha. That there's no musiba that afflicts you fil ardi wala fi anfusikum in the earth, which is like. Covid or some natural event that takes place, and neither in yourself, in your nafs. And the interesting about Covid is it is affecting; it's an environmental factor that is affecting our, our nafs. Illa fi min qabli None of these things happen except that they're in a book, even before they come to fruition, they appear. Now this is this is easy for God. Allah says this is easy for Allah easy. that. Something can happen to you, but God knows it. This is essentially, we're just saying, we're not saying God has sent it and is doing it for a purpose and forcing us. All we're saying is that nothing happens in the the cosmos, whether it's, and here it's talking about musibah, which is an affliction or difficulty, in the earth or in yourselves, except God knew about it, essentially. Now the whole point of that verse is to say that these are tests. And Allah says, this is so that um, you do not become covetous of what you've missed and not <coughs> overzealous of what you've been given. So it's all, this. you know, the tests that are there are there to check everybody. The person in ease and the person in hardship. The person that has a lot and the person that has nothing. The test is essentially there to check you. It's written and again, it's like Abu Hanifa says, 
his God's writing on the on the tablet and preserving it is a description of what will happen, but not as a judgment on what will happen to you, forcing you to do it. Hmm. Because God wants to see how you'll act. Like so the choice is there. The choice is there. Every situation that you you come across is a tribulation that then allows you to make the choices that you um, are open to. And then that's again, faith and do good deeds. Good deed is always compared or contrasted with evil deed. Yeah. So the whole point is faith and not, it doesn't say then act. Because act could be, you could act, you know, mm-hmm. all the options, you could do the worst thing, the unethical thing, the evil thing, the wrong thing. What's being said here is, amilus salihat, they do what is, what is pure. And essentially that is why we have musiba is to test. So Allah says in, in Surah Al-Mulk, that created death and life to see which of you is best in actions. Now this is, that verse is actually very interesting because Allah is saying, God creates life and death. Death and life, the whole process of coming into being and going out of being. Surah Mulk. Okay, so it's almost like God has forced it upon us. We have no choice. You don't choose to come into being. Mm-hmm. Like you're not the person that decides. When you die, and the normal circumstances, that you you take your own life. You don't decide. Yeah. So God says that He He created these two things, and then you're thinking, well, that is. Hands are tied. But then Allah says, To see which of you is best in actions. In other words, after you feeling that it's all written and sealed and signed and delivered, Allah is saying, We did created these things to see which of you is the best in action. In other words, let's see what your choices are going to be. So it's always it's very empowering after seeming to be something that is deterministic and and kind of set in stone that you basically have to submit to fate. It says to see which of you is the best in actions. Yeah, that's the, that's a long there. Yeah, which is at a certain point, God will ask the servant, "You tell us what is your in what is your pleasure." Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the, the the situation that we find ourselves in, the only thing that we can always, not only thing, I mean, not in, in a despondent way, but the thing that we need to keep going back to is the life of Prophet Sallallahu mm. That even in the, the, the most adverse situations, mm. he was giving glad tidings of, of a good dunya, mm-hmm. power, wealth, mm. um, and living a better life than what they were in hmm. at the time. I mean, the only thing to observe about the, the Battle of Khandaq is when the Prophet was prophesizing those things, um, a prophecy does not necessarily mean that it is also a bashara, which is a kind of a glad tiding. So, it could, it could, you could well argue and it could well be seen that the the, the, the times of, of difficulty and tribulation the Prophet lived with, with the companions in Mecca you know, would you then trade that in for the civil strife and the and the, and the civil war and, and which came with you know Qadisiyah and all these victories that they had, like the the Sayyidina Umar conquered the the Byzantine uh, Eastern um, Roman Empire, um, and then 
it was within the year that he also conquered the Persian Empire. Now that means the two greatest powers on earth that were constantly in constant warfare over um, 900 years, they were brought to their knees within a year by Sayyidina Umar and the companions. That led to all that wealth. It led to the conquest of Jerusalem. It led to the fall of the, the Persian Empire. And the wealth that flooded into the Muslim Empire came with its own problems as well, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, civil war, um, civil strife, uncertainty, um, friction. All these things. And Aisha radiallahu anhu said that the first innovation that appeared after the death of the Prophet was a shaba, which is um, satiation and eating. To, the, to, to your full So th- what we understand is The prophecy It sounds good But doesn't mean it was better than what was pre- Previous to it Sheikh final few moments of uh, today's reflections 11th uh, in this uh, Year uh, Amal And uh, Iman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a few bullet points of the, the, the expression of Iman and expression of Amal. Hmm. So this is a leitmotif in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always says, Always couples these things. We, also, we should always think, why does Allah couple the two things? One is to have faith and one is to have actions. You know, if you were to just to say what's a benefit to me of this, you would say that the faith is the thing that gets you into paradise and the Amal, the action is the thing that decides on your station in the hereafter. And so this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, you know, Sari'u ila maghfiratim rabbikum. You know, rush towards um, the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the reward which is like the vastness of the heavens and the earth. And and this is really putting down for us this challenge. You know, in Ramadan we always try and challenge ourselves to do better. It's as if you're, you're being told that the, 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 the Qur'an, with, within all the stories that we're talking about, Surah Al-Kahf, the most important thing is to actually to have faith and do good actions. And in the month that we're in, with the situation that we're in, um, you know, the way that you do good actions, we may think that they're restricted, but they're not restricted. Because as I said before, the Prophet was Ibn al-Waqt, he was, he was a child of the moment he was in. So he made the best of the very thing that he had in front of him, to be the thing that made him closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that meant bringing happiness to the face of a child, if it meant helping the person in need, need if it meant giving solace to the person in, in depression. It's exactly that that we are thinking about. Faith, good action. And the thing about faith and good action is, nobody can say, it's too difficult for me. Mm. Good action is the thing that you have in front of you that is obl- obligatory upon you to do at this moment in time. However mundane, however insignificant you consider it to be, that is exactly the thing that you are in, in fact obligated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do. That's all the time we have for reflections. Inshallah, we'll be back tomorrow uh, with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad and Surah Kahf and its meanings uh, with uh, life of the Prophet sallam and how we live our lives uh, with the teachings of Quran and our Prophet sallam's life. Tomorrow, 7.30 until iftar time. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Thank you for listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Make sure to visit our Radio Ramadan website at rr365.co.uk to access all of our podcasts. Stay tuned on our social channels for future content.